Local podcasting. It's fresher. It's healthier. It's more transparent. It's more natural. Yes, it is. You get to know your podcaster. I know that. None of those chemical additives or preservatives. Wow. No middleman to mark up the price. What's not to like? Has fewer podcast miles. <laughs> Remember, no podcast, no food. I suppose this is a constant thing, but that 20-year nostalgia revisiting. Yeah. So that everybody's like, uh, hey, Friends is really popular again. Or look, let's do things that they did in the 90s. You, you know who won't understand this? Who? Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, actually, Ben, too. They won't understand the 90s? No, they won't or understand. Or nostalgia, what, the concept of nostalgia? No, what was popular from 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who knows? Oh, what shows are on? The thing I was trying to say... I think we established that it's 40 years ago that's the tough part for someone who's only in their 20s now. 20 years ago, they're fine. Yeah. The thing that's hard to get your arms around is both the nostalgia and the cultural revisiting where people realize that things weren't as good as they thought. Mm-hmm. That doesn't hold that up. That doesn't hold up, yeah. Do you know what my example is? Uh, Money Pit? S- small Wonder. Small Wonder. <laughs> that show with Vicky the Robot. Anyone out there remember that? If you do, call in and let us know. Small Wonder. Small Wonder. That's early 80s, right? Uh, no, it was actually late eighties. Oh. I, 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 so, so whenever I watch these shows, I have to go to IMDb, look up the show, look up the actors, see if they're still working. Uh, spoiler alert. Shame them. None of them are. Oh, um, no, I, I always get, I always feel sad when like their last credit was like 1992. But, uh, and ben, and Mich- ben and Michelle, you should feel fully justified in not knowing small wonder. Oh yeah. You will definitely. get no guff for There's anybody in the studio. No guff at all. In fact, I, I, uh, I'm jealous that you guys don't know about it because it was a really bad show, but it ran for three seasons. Can we pause for an interjection? Yeah. Ben, Michelle, have you ever heard of Small Wonder? No. Maybe if you play, no. maybe if you play the theme song now, people will oh, remember. God. She's a small wonder, lovely and bright and soft. Now do you remember? Yeah. Still don't remember. But so I, I watched an episode of Small Wonder this morning. It's about this family, uh, a man, his wife, what? and his son. For, for our sake, yeah. can I say this is our recurring segment on Simon Tells Us About Shows from the 80s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. th- I, I like that show. I like that segment. Or, or, or Simon Tells Us About Things He Watched on Antenna TV. Yeah. Uh, I th- are they a sponsor now? Uh, I thought they were for a couple episodes. If you enter offer code VBB, a man, uh, husband, wife, and son. It's so heteronormative. It uh, very. Um, and Nuclear he, family. He works in a nondescript business where he knows something about computers because they have a computer at home, which I guess at the time was not so rare. But and he creates this this little girl who happens to be uh, like an android. Um, in his business, or is he no, a tinkerer? No, it's at home. He's a tinkerer is and, this and in at the home. basement. And so, does he have a train set? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about the backstory, but, but so now it's, and uh, if you remember the show, you remember a little bit about the show. I can recall that it existed. So Vicky the robot, it was always, they were always trying to uh, make sure that people didn't discover that she was not, that she was a robot and not did, a little girl. Did people think they were, they, she was their child? Yes. That's, that's, that's how, how it was. Were there um, a lot of, uh, were there a lot of episodes where like people came over for dinner and they had to prepare? Yes. Oh yeah. And and this girl was very strong. She could. Are you doing girl in quotes because it was a robot? Yeah, yeah, I am actually. Um, she was very strong. She was very fast. She could, she, you know, she could lift the couch to vacuum underneath. She was also their maid, by the way, which I think also <laughs> is a little strange. Is and this... so, so one of the one of the things I had forgotten about was that 
You know what freaks me out? Yeah. So that was over 30 years ago, right? Just about 30 years ago now, yeah. And at that point, it had only been like a little over 20 years since mm-hmm. Rosie and the Jetsons. Yeah. Like that reference of them lifting the couch the mm-hmm. robot made yeah. is much closer to Rosie from the Jetsons than we are to it. Oh, that's a good that's a good point. The math checks out. In any case, one of the things that I had forgotten was that... Yeah, yeah, draw this out. Keep going. She, she spoke in like... Instead of, you know, I guess to show that she was a robot, she could have had like, you know, stilted movements and, and stuff like that, not understand human emotion, blah, blah, blah. But they also had her speak in a monotone voice, like a completely, like she was like a dot matrix printer. She could <laughs> spoke in a monotone voice. And, and I don't even understand why that was, was necessary. Like we get it. She's a robot. Ben, have you looked this up yet in the intervening time? Look no, up, I have look not. up a clip of Small Wonder. Was this in the, during the rage of like uh, Short Circuit and Short Circuit Two? I think it was slightly after. Um, it was slightly after Short Circuit, but maybe during Short Circuit Two. It did call for a sequel. Yeah, it really did. Anyway, so that that's uh, that's what I watched um, this week. Small Wonder. You watched Small more Wonder. than one episode. I know. I just watched the one. I could only watch the one. It was terrible. Did it have Farmers Only commercials? It didn't actually this time. No. Shriners? Shriners, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what? It, so, Ben, what have you learned thus far about uh, Small Wonder? It's a TV show. Uh, Canadians enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we didn't. I can't speak for all of them, though, but but this one didn't. Can I? Do you remember episode 51, The Cat's <laughs> Meow, which is described as Vicky becomes jealous of an electronic cat? Do you remember that one? I, I'm not recalling it. Classic. The guest coming. Okay, bring him in. Well, it was to a silent oh. crowd. Oh, we got a bet. We have two, two baguettes. My, three baguettes. Three baguettes. Are we? Are we gonna just eat these? I, over the, I just want to stick to the facts. No, oh, I appreciate that. You oh eat three God. baguettes. It's a three baguette show on this podcast. It's good that I I'm, think I'm gonna retire. Oh, we have baguettes to the audience. We've just received baguettes. Do you realize? I think this is somehow worse than the day that somebody brought popcorn to this show. Oh, what about when Peter sent us the the black licorice mm-hmm. from Holland? That was still better because well, that was a less audible noise. I think we're good. Do you want to introduce the episode? We Absolutely. Have a guest. We have baguettes, we have bread, we mm-hmm. have a guest. Yes. Uh, episode 119 of Various Breads and Butters. To my left is Ben Brickhouse-Cohen. Uh, I am Simon Portman-Tone. I'm out in the studio. We've got Ben Sesame the Street, the BG. fourth BG Gordon, and Michelle-Polton-Simon, our producer. In the studio, we have a very special guest, professor of art at Lafayette College, Ed Kearns. Ed. A named professor, chair professor. Chair professor. What's, what's the chair's name? What's the name of your chair? You're going to love it. It's mm-hmm. the Eugene H. Clapp With two P's. Two, two okay, P's, good. just so you know. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the <this laughs> Thank special you. effect. Uh, have, you, have you met Eugene H. Clapp? I did. You did? I, back in the day when um, he took me to dinner to make sure I was the right person for his chair. Okay. <laughs> and, you, and what did you have for dinner? Um, I had lots of wine. As okay. well. <laughs> Mr. Clapp wanted to give the chair to economics, as did everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, then, so. Well, they have, they have they have a couple chairs already. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we. But got you one. were an art. We have not had an art professor for quite a long time. Yes. Uh, the last art pro- professor we had was Nestor Hill in episode forty 
45. 45. Right. So. He, he, and he didn't bring you bread. He, he didn't bring us it. bread. He, he actually he made bread for us. So I'm just, Did he? Just saying. Various okay. kinds. He made us various <laughs> kinds. This would be good for the studio pick. We have bread and butter. This yeah. is on, on brand. It's perfect. <laughs> Maybe we should just, in general, bring more art professors because they do seem to bring that's us food. Right. And I, I think that's how we should decide who comes on our podcast. I think that's a fair and, approach. And they say artists are starving, and yet they're the only ones that bring us food. <laughs> oh, is no. that why you're starving? Is because you just give people all your food? So if you you, you got the name the professor the chair professor back in the in the late eighties. That's right. Uh, and we have had, we've had uh, our oldest alum who was from the class of sixty five has been a mm. guest. We've had our youngest alum who were recent graduates of just that year, Renan specifically. Mm-hmm. We've had students who haven't even graduated. Yep. Um, we've had some professors who've been here a while, but I think you are our longest uh, tenured professor. It's mm-hmm. probably the case. When did you When did you get here? Um, I. Uh, came to Lafayette in 1981. 1981. And yeah. were you an assistant professor then? No. Oh, you I, were. I came in you as, came as a associate. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, my I God. think. Well, I didn't even know what that meant. It, yeah. Well, Who does, really? That's, I, <laughs> I, mean, I think right. I think you got to be here for a while to yes. sort of get all that. Well, I, I knew this because not only is he our, one of the longest uh, running professors at the college, but he also has a Wikipedia page. Unlike page. us, <laughs> can you can you talk to them and ask if we can get one too? Absolutely. Okay, just I don't email. even know how that happened. So we've got questions. We have questions. Right? I've heard. I want to ask where you got your start. I want to ask the journey question. Okay. Where 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 did Ed Kern start his life? Well, he's it, right there. You can ask him. I know. Go well, right I'm, I'm I'm using third person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, and you feel free to use third person here. Okay. Okay. I can refer to me as Absolutely. him. Absolutely. So where'd you start? There were fits and starts. Okay. Let's say um, I grew up partially on a farm in uh, southwestern Virginia. And uh-huh. Then I went to school. Where in southwestern Virginia? It's a little place um, called Danville. No. Very southwestern. I think I know. That's just, that's just north the of the North Carolina border. Yeah, 15 miles yeah. north. Yeah, I used to pass through there on my I way to Pittsburgh. I got a speeding ticket there. Yeah. I think I might have That's too. another one of those places you might ask, you know, the proverbial, what's wrong with people? It is pretty, though. People. Okay, it is I'll sort of. Yeah, yeah. The Dan I mean, River is a bright red. It's yeah. great. And it goes with purple. Yeah, nice, there you go. In an odd sort of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and so, you grew up like on a farm. Well, it was a farm, yeah, dairy yeah. farm. Okay. You know, and uh, sort of a bumpkin. Okay. And that, so that's not much of a start, but it was a start in some respects with being with nature. Yeah. Or, or ha- I mean, in a, in a serious sense, but. Um, Eventually, my parents uh, decided I needed to go to better schools. Okay. And so they went to Richmond, which was a slight step up. At least they had college prep there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Who did you go to junior prom with? Uh, I remember, well, Shelly Green. Wow. That's unbelievable. Well done. Uh, we were sitting there, and she sat back, but her dress stayed up front. Oh, wow. It was, we, a, it was a moment. We've never um, had anybody remember that well i certainly i can't remember that well Well, it's it's a it's a freak of nature okay you know i appreciate I it so you were okay so you were in richmond right um did you go to university of richmond i um yes initially i was going everywhere and anyway okay. all these liberal arts schools and then uh-huh. eventually something called the richmond professional institute okay and it was the only art school in the south okay um, rpi rpi how did you become interested in art it wasn't that so much as it kind of chose me. Okay. I was really trying hard to do things like biology and mm-hmm. engineering. And yeah. I loved engineering. Yeah. To this day, it's um, still, a, you know, a part of how I think about things. Sure, sure. But art just gradually took it over. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember a time when it wasn't a big part. It just wasn't getting me 
uh, as a teenager what I wanted. Sure. You know? But yeah. was it like a something you would do in all your idle time as a teenager? Well, more than idle. I just found myself stealing away to do art, so yeah. to speak. You know, and, and I had I I was a popular kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was funny and crazy and stuff. So I can imagine. art was something that wasn't in the general lexicon of that group. Yeah. Um, and I just gradually moved north. Went to graduate school at uh, Maryland Institute, which is a big time. Okay. Um, Seven Sisters, mm-hmm. as they call it in the arts, Cleveland Art Institute, it's Chicago. Mica. Yes, now it's called. Can, can anybody here else name an alumni, alum of Mica? Well, okay. I can. But I, that's because I, I can do one. Who's that? that? Abby Jacobson. There you go. Oh, oh, of wait. Broad City. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. She went to Mica. She's she's great. And while at um, Mica, I. Um, had a teacher named Grace Hardigan who mm-hmm. just turned my world around. How I mean, so? I, in the sense that she was the real deal. She was an abstract expressionist. Mm-hmm. So that's first generation American uh, abstraction. Yeah. I didn't know it. I mean, I didn't know anything. Yeah, so, what is, this, so what does that mean to be a first generation American abstraction? Well, what I mean is uh, post war, those that could got away. Oh, painters. oh, she was a first generation. She, so she was first generation American okay. painter that was in, that sort of New York school, but the rest of them arrived there, escaping the horrors of uh, Hitler. And um, suddenly, New York went from being own, uh, not only about commerce to being about the visual arts. Sure, certainly opera was there, uh, the ballet, all all the traditional ritzy arts, mm-hmm. but not the down and dirty. People in their studios, you know, drinking and throwing paint around. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't there. Yeah. So she was there, and um, her generation included uh, people you would have heard of, perhaps Jackson Pollock. Heard of him. Um, Willem de Kooning, mm-hmm. and so on. So I met all those guys. Wow. And um, the the real breakthrough for me was um, I went to see Grace, and I had this job at I think it was somewhere in Lawrence, Kansas, and mm-hmm. I had the contract letter, you know, to teach art there and stuff. Yeah. She tore it up wow. said, and said, go to New York. Are you a fool? Hmm. You don't want to be in Canvas 10 years from now being bitter. Wow. <laughs> so I did. I took her advice. And I went there, and uh, de Kooning gave me a job, and I worked for him in his studio, and I met all these. I met the Jewish Mafia, Harold Rosenberg, Clement Greenberg, and um, wow. it was it, the critics of the day who were all European intellectuals. Yeah. It changed my world because I realized I didn't really, I really knew nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about art theory. I didn't know anything about how artists talk to each other. Uh-huh. Kind of like us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're perfect yeah, examples nothing. of, you know, living in, living in the city yeah. is a basic education, yeah. as you well know, if, you, yeah. if you've done that. And so New York, and, and I was living in Manhattan, which you could do then, yeah. you know, which was... What does an assistant to Willem de, de Koenig do? What does that mean to be well, an assistant for an abstract expression? I would dr- drive him to the dentist, mm-hmm. maybe... Go get stuff, mm-hmm. clean up, answer the door. Bring uh, him paint? Well, he had his own paint <laughs> most of the time. I would, you know, sort it out, sort the mail. I think over time, there was an element of trust there and because I was just some kid and I didn't want anything particularly. I just yeah. liked hanging out. Yeah. Um, I had heard some conversations that were pretty interesting when Grace would show up and others and just meeting his, his uh, being in his milieu, just being in that environment and realizing how deeply etched in all those individuals this idea of um, another way to put a human model forward, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and later in life, uh, having adored the scientific uh, 
um, method for so long, I, I started to think about it as not either or, but more of a question of human capacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I became even a better teacher as a result of being yeah. able to speak um, some art and some science. Wow. And, I, and the other thing about it was the, um, we, we all like to argue a little bit about ideas. Sure. And um, these people were getting fist fights over ideas. Wow. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. You know, well, if that's the way Did you, you do feel that? about it, bap, you know. Did you join them? <laughs> well, once in a while. Wow. I, mean, I mean, mine were usually driven by debt yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> or uh, foolishness. That's but, reasonable. But, but, but they would, and then they would have cry and apologize and everything would be fine. But imagine feeling that much passion about that, anything. That's what I was going to say, yeah. passion. Yeah, about anything. So how, how were you transformed from a, a student at one point mm-hmm. into a professor at another point? Where, what, what was happening there? Well, it was almost like being thrown in a fast-moving river. Sure. I mean, in New York is not, not like there, there yeah, at yeah. all. I mean, it's not like the college campus where if you fa- fall down somewhere, a thousand people run out to make sure everything's cool. Mm-hmm. And then there are lots of other administrators to follow up. Mm-hmm. There, no one cared. You know, no one cared. You were on your own, and you were you counted on each other. Yeah. You know, somebody could make the rent. You know, and it would go back and forth that way. And also, there was a, a certain way of relating. We were meeting in the bars, seeing each other's work, talking, and maybe not being fully hip, but figuring out how how it went and how one might have a conversation in paint. I don't only use words, but, you know, you paint your way through people. You become those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and poets. I mean, it's, uh, the the abstract expressionist painters were um, readers, and yeah. they loved poetry. Barbara Guest, uh, Frank O'Hara was one of Grace's best friends. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fer- Ferlinghetti, who's amazingly still alive, was uh, was around. Kenneth Patchen. I mean, these these are the beat poets, and um, so everything was was hot mm-hmm. and open. Yeah, and I, I hadn't felt that before. Art school people were do like they do other places. They pontificate, and they sure. they really don't have direct experience. But did you like when you were in it at the moment? Did you know uh, how f- uh, remarkable that was, or did you? Well, think I know how it felt. Growing? I know how they made me feel. Like I was part of something larger. But could you tell that was different than just you were growing up versus this yes, was a unique I, I time? Yes, I did. I knew that right away. Yeah. I mean, I'm here, I'm at 11.30 at night, I'm going to dinner, and I'm seeing Bill de Kooning. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's certainly different than, you know, Al's free at 11.30 when he gets off from Eddie's drive-in, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to go out. And ben and Michelle, you're both native New Yorkers. Yeah. Yes, we are. Uh, what's your sensibility about um, the art scene of New York? When you were growing up, what did that mean? I mean, I went to a bunch of museums as a kid. Yeah, I, like field trips were often to art museums. Also, um, William Wegman was the father of a friend of mine who actually goes here now. And yeah, so, Lola, good old Lola Wegman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went to elementary school with her. So you you went? What was the name of that school? I, she's told me, but Little Red Elizabeth. Yeah, Irwin. Little Red. Yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. And so I spent some time at uh, their house and also they took us to an exhibit that was William Wegman's stuff when we were in elementary school. Wow. <laughs> I was talking with uh, the aforementioned friend of the show, past guest, Nestor Heal, mm-hmm. who was talking about having met William Wegman and 
admitting even as a professional artist, he's like, yeah, I just thought of him as the dog guy. Yep. For sure. listeners, he's the one who, who's um, somewhat known, at least in some parts, for all those uh, photographs of dogs yes. doing things. Yeah. He did some interesting conceptual things. He, he started as a painter. He still paints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Nestor's point yeah. was like, I didn't realize this guy was like an absolute genius and everything he does is incredible. I just thought it's the guy with the dog pictures, mm-hmm. like, which is like <laughs> one thing. Right. But people, when they know them, like, oh, yeah, the dog guy. Well, one of the great things about uh, really good artists is they find ways to reinvent themselves mm-hmm. all the time. I think more and more people are, are able to do that. But over the course of his career, he's done uh, any number of things. But he's known, you know, the iconic imagery is the dogs yeah. and, and always will be. Ben, what famous artists were you, were you friends with? Um, Children of famous of, artists? Yeah. I'm just assuming. Oh, yeah. Everybody in New yeah. York. Well, I mean, I guess in, I would say every maybe not everybody but everybody in manhattan mm-hmm. um i mean i had a friend who his dad his name is the dad's name is harry pincus who mm-hmm. lives on a uh, spring street in this apartment and then there's uh he was neighbors with this guy from the fugs Tully Kupferberger. Mm-hmm. um and he was in with all the beatniks and he has a bunch of stories like that um i think so. did, did basquiat used to babysit you <laughs> Did that happen? It shows. No. Yeah. It right. shows. Now, is, is, are there are there groups of artists today that are like like there were when you, when you were sort of coming up? Like, well, does it still happen, or is it is it different now? Yeah, it's it's more uh, distributed. Yeah. I mean, regional art centers are more powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it used to have to go through the city, sure, and it was also possible uh, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and eighties, and even part of the nineties to actually show uh, a commercial dealer your work. Mm-hmm. Now that's almost impossible for a young person yeah. to, to get in there. It's, it's, it's commerce and it's international commerce. Mm-hmm. So the, the big art scenes with big, I mean huge money are um, New York and, not, and, and surprisingly Shanghai mm-hmm. and Beijing are, have their art districts now like Chelsea is in the city. Um, they have these places that show the international artists, and of course London and, and Paris still, but Paris used to be the only place yeah. until New York uh, with the expatriates after the war. Mm. Pretty does, amazing. Does it help that you're, that, that artists are now able to um, showcase their things online? Does that, does that help at all? Or is well, that... uh, I'm, I'm sure it does yeah. to some. Um, it's interesting because you can watch your life in retrospect go by. I mean, I watch paintings come up for auction that I sold for, you know, three or $400 in the 70s or 80s, and I'm just astounded <laughs> at how disappointed I <laughs> If I'd only waited. Could have held on. I would have had nothing. Yeah. Um, but you, the, your work takes on a life of its own. Yeah. Um, a digital life of its own. Mm-hmm. And, of course, any mistake online com- is uh, compiled. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that Wikipedia thing, which <laughs> I was a surprise to me. Now, there are about 10 versions of that in any other search modality yeah. that just compile the problems with that one. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's fine. I was going to ask a variation of that. Like, Do you think abstract expressionism in particular is worse off or better off with the digital age? Is it even harder to understand for novices or easier? Let's use another term for it. Um, Harold Rosenberg called it action painting. Mm-hmm physical action painting, large scale, yeah. um, gestures, the drip. Like how was, hard it is, like it's the physical intensity of doing that. Well, it's it's that and the fact that it, um, in its moment of happening, captures the physical ge- gesture. Mm-hmm. It is expressed physically like these kinds of metaphors. Right. And, Bread you know, it's, it's an interesting model, 
uh, and a visceral model for someone who is um, in the business of finding ways to tune their own instrument, you know, their own perceptions. In general, towards the arts, uh, it's gone towards performance and film as it, I mean, that's easy enough to see why. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's much more exciting. But a still image um, over time speaks to us because it puts in front of us not just a, a recorded, camcorded kind of image, but the image of their experience of seeing something. Mm-hmm. And that's entirely different. Yeah. So that's why painting it's 500 years old can speak to you. It's mm-hmm. somebody else's felt experience of seeing something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leonardo, not the actor... The one from Vinci? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just down the road from yeah. Vinci. Um, you know, was doing dissections in the morning and painting swirling water patterns in nature in the afternoon. And so he was really about probing the natural world through the eyes. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other thing that's become so apparent and why, why digital media makes sense for the arts in, in that way is when you see something and it goes back through the optic nerve, it goes to about 32, 33 different places in the brain and is then constructed from memory, iconic imagery that's being held, different pathways are, uh, to a greater or lesser extent, uh, ignited, and so on. So it's a very complicated phenomenon. And I, I talk to people like Margaret Livingston uh, up at Yale, who's a biologist, wrote a book called The Biology of Vision. And She's real good at explaining stuff about how you see mm-hmm. until we get into the question of interpretation. Sure. And um, so we're good up through the impressionists, but then you say expressionism. She said, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know why they don't do that because that's it's a hard a, problem. That's, a, that's the hard problem of consciousness and, mm-hmm. and how one perceives. Yeah. So tell us about your early work and how you got into the professoriate. Oh. As, a, as an artist and yeah, the kind that, of work you're doing. It's a strange, well, it's not that strange. <laughs> so I was in the city. I was making a lot of money mm-hmm. suddenly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went from you know, 10 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour just yeah. because there was a man on, um, had a fashion house on Fifth Avenue named Larry Aldridge. Great guy. It's an Aldridge Museum in Connecticut now. That's him. Mm-hmm. And what he did was so smart as a marketer is he hired artists to make small paintings for uh, clients rather than giving them a bottle of scotch or some other oh, wow. nice thing. He gave them a 20 by 20 inch painting done, an original painting done by someone. And of course, in that world, that was uh, a major, wow, look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, and they yeah. put it on their walls and yeah. they always be reminded. Yeah. And there were some really interesting artists, Robin Indiana, um, a lot of the pop artists of the period, some names you would know and some you wouldn't, um, some abstract expressionist, and then there was Lil' Ed. There mm-hmm. was me. And so I made 100 paintings one Did they year. call you that? Lil' Ed? Yeah. They, they might call me that once. <laughs> <laughs> we won't do it here. No, no. Um, and, and, and so you made about 100 paintings? Yeah, in one year. Wow. I know that's, I mean, I'm not proud of it or one, one thing or other, but they I were. Actually, I actually, let me just say, I, I would have no idea if that is, so, so that huge is. Huge number. Or, that, that's uh, a huge number in terms of just. Well, pure, when you're talking about abstract. Yeah, okay. Triple digits. Yeah, okay, I got it. But the other part of it, too, is uh, in the kind of work I was doing, mm-hmm. the, the way you know you're finished with something is you become generally emotionally detached from it. Okay. And so when you're making a hundred. Yeah. You're not worried about that question. Yeah. Um, you're sort of generating a, a type of image. Yeah. 
uh, and I think that's that's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually somebody comes in with a swatch of fabric to hold next to the painting to see if it's going to go with the couch. <laughs> you know, at some point somebody does sure. that, Pollock or not. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I I, uh, I made these paintings, mm-hmm. and I would take them up on the Seventh Avenue train to his office, and I'd come uh, back with $100 bills, checks, all wow. kinds of stuff. I, I looked like a bum. I was just me, you know, <laughs> but I would have twelve or 1300 bucks. Wow. And this is the 70s. Mm-hmm. That was rent for the year. Yeah. That, Were it. you trying to get out of New York when you came to Easton? No. Or is that happenstance? No. Uh, well, I think some pe- most people are trying to get in, mm-hmm. you know, in my in my business. If they, if they don't, uh, they often declare a kind of poetry about themselves that says, I would never sell out to the commercial <laughs> world, which is another way of saying, I can't get in there. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's my view. But yeah. no, th- this came about, I wanted to um, do some other things. I mean, my, my life had become, it was uh, Wednesdays and Sundays were Ranger games. Mm-hmm. I take. I was just great. Forty games. A, you know, I love hockey. That's that was, it was wonderful. And then he does uh, too. Yeah. Do you? Oh well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. That's fine. That's very there acceptable. There you go. Original, original six. six. Original that's six. That's fine. We're fine. Yeah. So, brother. Yeah. So, are you okay? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. He's a, he's a Baltimore he's, Orioles fan. Of course. Yeah. How they do? <laughs> I have a story about that. They're the first two hundred this year. Yeah. Well done. But other in the other direction. Well, yeah, but, but, yeah, but we don't need <laughs> to get into Nobody yeah. needs to know yeah. that. What I was going to say about <laughs> that, and then the other thing I did was I discovered um, opera. So uh, on Wednesdays and mm-hmm. Saturdays, mm-hmm. I, I was going to the City Opera and the Met. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And so I was trapped in the studio making, in a sense, painting. Sure. And then that was my out and about, and yeah. then um, other activities. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought, well, you know, I could be thirty minutes from here and still get to these games, and I get to the opera, <laughs> and maybe half my rent, and maybe you ought to think about the future. Sure. And so I drew a circle around the city. I think it was Lafayette was within a hundred miles. It was. It is. And uh, for the listeners out there, it is. Yeah, we are close. We are close. Uh-huh. Hmm. <laughs> yes, indeed. Seventy-six miles. I think they finally get it down to here. <laughs> and there were three jobs. Yeah. And so I went at it and got three offers. And Lafayette didn't, uh, with due respect, didn't have an art department. They had a, a, a moral theologian teaching something called fortnightly lectures for ladies. Okay. You can look it up. <laughs> and they had... Um, ben looks at him. Yeah, this is, and this is not the video yeah, game Fortnite. No, it isn't. Different. <laughs> different. Very different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally different. Uh, and um, some other folks teaching part-time sculpture and yeah. drawing. And it, so there was nothing. And they had... And uh, at that point, people had the idea that they would hire some known person uh-huh. to bring instant credit. Cred- I don't know what they thought. I don't want to put thoughts <laughs> in their mind. Cause that, but you get the idea. It seemed to work out. It worked out. Yeah. So <laughs> I, Wait, before we... Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, before I, I ask a clarifying question about looking this up, I just want to say that uh, my family, if they could have gone to Ranger, Rangers games every Wednesday and Sunday and also gone to the opera, I think that would have been my grandpa's dream. Oh, well, isn't that, I know, and things. that's what I'm saying. I was a stupid kid who made a lot of money, didn't really deserve it. That's but it, all but I'm it, did, it did sound, Ed, like, like it was kind of like all or nothing. Like you were working so hard right. doing all this right. stuff that maybe wasn't as fulfilling to you, but it, it gave you the ability to do all this other great stuff. So you begin to move up, mm-hmm. and, and it's a hotshot world. Yeah. Because it's essentially 
people like fashion. Mm-hmm. Or I wasn't. Uh, I was very excited. Sure. What it, what came out of it is how important relationships are, mm-hmm. and I and and I sincerely mean that. How uh, if you're going to do anything, you have your family. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's so so. But relationships are the basis of getting anything done. Yeah. And I found myself not fully trusting of people mm-hmm. any any longer. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll move out. Yeah. And I'll be in a place where a lot of this won't matter to, mm-hmm. to anybody because they won't know anything about it. Yeah. I mean, how could it matter to them? Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And I found the right place. Yeah. <laughs> how yeah. was your timing? Uh, you're, in a, you're in a, we often will ask the standard question of what are the main things that you've seen change? Here we are 37 years since you got here. What are the most outstanding changes at Lafayette? Well, I think it's, it had, when I came here, I thought a general inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. Like it was a good school, but it, it always felt like, oh, shucks, mm-hmm. you know, we can't quite do this. Mm-hmm. The thing that I've seen happen, um, things that really impressed me is the, the growth and the strength of the engineering program, mm-hmm. which at one point was questioned, as you know, um, mm-hmm. about its very existence. Or, right. And there was a lot of tension um, between the liberal arts and engineering. Now I think that's settled. And so, so that was one thing that's gradually changed. And I think the model of this uh, of the humanities serving engineering has changed too. And it's a much, it's a much bigger question. Uh, and I think we've gotten better students. Mm-hmm. I think Greg is doing a great job, mm-hmm. actually. And, uh, and, and you've noticed your students from, from 1981 to now are better. Oh, much, are, are be- much better. The, the ones, uh, they don't read. Mm-hmm. These students don't read. The students of the 80s, many of them were, were deeply committed to reading. We used to have an event where we would read uh, Joyce's Ulysses on his birthday for 24 hours. Wow. I can't even find anybody knows what that is anymore. (laughs) But were the students at that time on their phones? Hey, I'm sorry. I I read Ulysses in high school. Well, where were you? Yeah. You should have been out the corner. Why aren't you rebuilding this tradition? Yeah, let's do it. Because I do not want to read Ulysses for 24 hours. I I read it for a semester, and I think that was probably... A whole semester? It was most of a semester. It wasn't the whole semester. I touched a nerve. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You did. did. But I did read it, so... Good. And like I said, I bet... All those students back then weren't on their phones all the time. Everything was great then, and everything's terrible now. Is that your point? No. Because that is wrong. No. God. That's not anybody's point. Old but man, things, but get off your lawn. Things have changed. Other things that have happened hmm. over several decades Good spans segue. include the following. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm gone in two years. I'll, I'll speak up. Is, is, it, is that a scoop? Did we just scoop? Yeah, you scooped. <gasps> oh, I got a scoop. Episode title. I, I say gone too soon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but I have a separate question, a decadal question. Okay. And I'm going to actually augment it a little bit because I will ask the standard favorite music question. Everybody loves this question. I know. It may, uh, we always do it 10, 20, 30, but I think we have adjusted to like 10, 30, 50, but it doesn't really change. So I'm going to stick with 10, 20, 30, which is the favorite music you had as a child around 10. Okay. What that was <laughs> when you were 20 and what it was when you're 30. And we'll do one at a time. All right. So musically, at age ten. Well, this is going. Uh, I would say it was probably Bo Diddley. Uh, and, and this it, is back in Virginia now. Yeah. Okay. Danville. Yeah. Uh, can before you believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, before Richmond, there was uh, a man um, that worked for my grandfather. He ran a mill and a farm. Uh, essentially, showed me southern ways. He sh- he taught me how to hunt and fish and skin things and all manner of horrors. Wow. But um, he played a guitar. And he played it uh, with the end 
And it was Bo Diddley himself? Negative, but close. <laughs> oh. He played it with a you know broken piece of bottle, glass wow. Coke bottle. So it was, it was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I was 10 years old, and I and on breaks and at lunch, he would pick away. Wow. And I was just stunned mm-hmm. by this. I never heard anything like it. And he would laugh, yeah, whoa, Eddie. <laughs> let me tell you about it and uh he said if i could take you there i would right. and what he was referring to was his church a black church yeah. that had drums and guitars and it wasn't my church sure. at that point then so i would on rare occasion be driving by his name was herman herman's church and i would hear sounds and i asked my grandfather if i could go there and he said well if herman feels okay taking you, go. Mm-hmm. And of course race was a big issue. Sure. And so I went. And he I I was just blown away. And he told me that he loved Bo Diddley. Mm-hmm. And I found out who that was. And the next time we were in Danville, I went to the record shop and I found some Bo Diddley records. Wow. And the first one I found, it was a dollar. It was an amazing amount of money. It was called Who Do You Love by mm. Bo Diddley. And on the B side was Haybo Diddley, hmm. so it lit my it lit a fire. Yeah. Can I just say, for the sake of uh, transcript and yes. podcast uh, posterity, sure, you have uh, blown away anybody else's answers for the for age ten. Nobody ever has a good answer. Yeah. Well, that I, I don't want to I don't want to make other people feel bad. You about don't want to. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, then in Richmond, when I got to Richmond, he would play in in black clubs around <laughs> Richmond. And a friend of mine who was a musician, um, not at 10, mm-hmm. but 14 or 15, sure. 16, and I would go. No way. And they'd let, the, let us in. And I saw Bo Diddley play, hey, Bo Diddley, with a square guitar. And yeah. I just, it changed my worldview of music. Yeah. So, so what, um, did it change by 20 or did somebody else? Yeah, that was a whole different world. Yeah. So now I'm in uh, Richmond Professional Institute. Mm-hmm. And I, have, I w- went to high school in Richmond, so there were friends going to school. University of Richmond, uh, a place called Randolph-Macon, Hampton-Sydney, all these sort of local male finishing schools. They had fraternities. Um, there was a place called The Mosque, and somebody said, we're going to see Otis Redding. Oh, my God. And I said, okay. And we go Good in. Answer. He had on an orange jumpsuit, wow. and he was about six feet, five inches tall, and he was blasting out you know these these ballads yeah. in a ba- listen to Otis Redding well, if you, if we could play we'll something one right, right here. now what 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 would it be respect Dude. respect okay. what you want you got it it is it's not bad i got to say that's fantastic <laughs> so all these black artists were playing the circuit to make money which mm-hmm. would be fraternity houses even James Brown came around i mean wow. they were all doing this so they'd be banging away, right. and if you saw Animal House, that was a I was good, ask. that's, that's what a they pretty do. good idea of what it was like. Well, so let's see what happens by thirty. Uh, thirty, I'm in the city. You're in the city, okay. And I have money, okay. and uh, this is going like to be it. a big, like. big switch. Okay, Velvet Underground. <laughs> well, that too. But what blew me out of the water was Light Italian Opera. Okay, uh, and um, Puccini in particular. Yeah, uh, and the first one I saw was La Boheme. Mm-hmm. And it was about an art artist living in a garret, a loft. That sounded very familiar. Mm-hmm. One was named Eduardo. One was named Rodolfo. And they met this young woman on the street who was able to bamboozle some food and wine. Uh, she comes up to their place. Eduardo is smitten. Rodolfo is smitten. 
uh, Rodolfo, the poet, burns his manuscript to keep her warm. Oh, oh my God, wow. his poetry. And of course, by the third act, at the gates of Paris in a snowstorm, she's dying of consumption. What else is new? They all die of consumption. Yeah. And once I saw it I, and associated the music with it, the next productions of it that I saw, I would start crying at the overture. Wow. I mean, I was just so touched by yeah, yeah. interweaving of auditory perceptual stuff. And I mean, I would never talk about it there. It was, it's a great story, you mm-hmm. know, and your whole body felt it. Yeah. And, and I think that's not off track from what your whole body felt with Bo Diddley and Otis Redding. Yeah. It's just a, a fancier thing. Now you want to do a quiz? Let's do a quiz. Do you want to do a quiz? Well, we do a quiz on the show. Okay. And everybody answers, and you're the last one to answer. So I'm going to ask, uh, i got 10 questions. This mm-hmm. is the real or not quiz. Mm-hmm. Simon okay. will be first, mm-hmm. then Ben. Then Michelle, and okay. then you as the artist and guest are last. Okay. And so uh, these are real art podcasts or not? Okay. Real uh, art are pod- these Are these really art podcasts or are they not podcasts? Okay. Uh, where, are they not art podcasts or are they just not podcasts at all? But that's not like... Could the, be either way. The thing you want to know, is this really an art podcast? The thing you want to know, Ed, is that Ben is a terrible quiz master. I can see so that. So that's just... In some cases, really only in the first case, I expanded it to art or design podcasts because the first one is the mic check question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't be confident that everybody would obviously know that one of them is an art podcast. So the first one is an art and design one. Got it. Although the rest of them are, are straight art. So yeah. the mic check is just to make sure we know the flavor of the game. Yes. So I say 99% invisible. 99%. Yes or no. Is this an art and design podcast or that is not? definitely how much invisible it is. And that is a podcast. What do you think, Ben? Uh, yeah, that is a podcast. Yeah, Michelle? It's a, and it's a design podcast. Yeah. Definitely a design podcast. Okay. okay. See, I had to, this is why I had to Not stretch. Not sure exactly how much art, but definitely design. Okay, right. what do you think? Is it a, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay. yeah. We got all, it. We understand. Good. That's a real art slash design podcast. All right. Now we're ready to really go. Now we're ready to go. <laughs> Everybody out there is ready. You guys are psyched. I am Simon so has buttered us up by praising the podcast, or good, the uh, good quiz style. Mm-hmm. That, oh, yeah, that, buttered that, us that, up. That it's terrible? Is that Well done. All right, number two. Mm-hmm. The Lonely Palette. The Lonely Palette. I would say that's a food podcast, so I'm going to say no. What do you think, Ben? That sounds like food. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you think, Michelle? Repeat that. The Lonely Palette. The Lonely Palette. palette. No. Ed? <laughs> sounds like a Bob Ross. Come on. Mm. No. No. The answer is yes. Oh. Really? It's the an lo- art history one. Oh. oh. That's, like an artist's palette. Okay. The Lonely Palette. I, th- I, think, I think I got people thinking about food. No, that no, it definitely you, sounds awful. If you yeah. want, I can tell you what the podcast is, is about. Oh, no, please. I'll just tell you afterwards. You'll tell us afterwards. Not necessary. Right. Yeah. How about Wherefore Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Wherefore Art Thou? I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I understand where mm-hmm. that's coming from. That's kind of a clever play on words. Uh, I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Ben, what do you think? No. No. Michelle. I'm going to say no. No. What do you Michelle. think, Ed? I can't go with that. That's, that's, a, no. that's a no. It's a no. Okay. Wouldn't it be great, though? It it's the visual great. iconography and art of Shakespearean theater. Yeah. Wherefore art thou? Yeah. All right. Yeah. The next one is second coat. Second coat. Like a second coat of paint. Oh, boy. You just figured them out. Okay. Well, then, then yes, absolutely. Ben, what do you think? No. Oh, Michelle? Ben is a nice Yes. What do you think, Ed? The second coat. That's a tough one. Mm. Second coat. Second Sounds technical. Coat. How are you spelling coat? C O A T. C O A T. And that's yeah. how you spell coat of paint? <laughs> okay, <laughs> just, ma- just making sure. 
Okay. What do you think? What do you think? I'm Ed? overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so much. I, I'd say yes, just it, because it's uh, it's a no. But if it was one, yeah. yeah, it would be about revisiting great works while taking long walks on cold days, wearing two jackets or some <laughs> such outerwear. Okay. Perhaps sponsored by Patagonia. So I think I think now one, we know. Does he get to do this? Excl- do you ever get to do it specifically, no, Simon? Yeah, they would have an episode called Hardigans Cardigans. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't encourage him, please. <laughs> Second coat. Okay. I'm giving away these for free. So Michelle, Michelle, you're we seeing be, the pattern. There's here. a whole he world just wants here. to tell jokes at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's the pattern for honestly. I it's know. either he wants to tell jokes, mm-hmm. specifically puns, mm-hmm. or make or references to things. That he I wants just to seen. reference. That's right. One right. of like Bojack. three shows that he watches. Exactly. It's been a long time and since fish. a Friday Night Light. I know. Reference. Yeah. I fully expect to hear Jack the Dripper come up. I wasn't smart enough. All right, the next one. Yeah. A piece of work. A piece of work. Oh, I, see, I get to look into his eyes, into his soul. Isn't that a clever which title? Which is not, not Second as fun coat. as you would think. A piece of work. A piece of work. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that was a Joan Rivers documentary. What do you think, Ben? Uh, I have a, I have a brief question. Uh, oh yes, for please. Ed. Do you know the artist Jeffrey Wasserman? No. Mm. Oh, okay. That was a question from my mom. Oh, okay. hold on. Is is uh, <laughs> is Jeffrey associated with H. C. Wasserman? Uh, let me ask, see. Ask mom. Yes, to ask mom. Is, it, is, is, he, is, is this in real time? No. Well, he died. He uh, he died in two thousand six, but he abstract paintings um, in Soho in the seventies, eighties. Mm. So well, I can't recall. Maybe that uh, was a nom de plume. Mm-hmm. Oh, aren't you clever? Right. Uh, okay. So We're a piece of work. A piece of work. Piece of work. What do you think, Ben? Oh, yes, that's definitely. Definitely. Okay, Michelle. Yeah. Ed. No. It is. It's Abby Jacobson's podcast about art. But a piece also, of work? It was also a documentary about Joan Rivers. Oh, I'm sorry. Phrases have never been reused. No. No. A piece of Not work. In this it's, litigious society. It's very interesting. I've learned quite a lot. Okay. It's in coordination with the with MoMA, I it's, think. I do like that piece Yeah, of it is. Do you, do you know this show? I've heard some of it. I think it's good. Okay. Abby Jacobson came up twice. I thought maybe all MICA uh, graduates knew everything. Yeah, no, about we don't show. know anything about podcasts <laughs> like that. All right, that. the next one. Elevator, pillow, lamppost. Elevator, pillow, lamppost. That sounds very surreal. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Elevator, pillow, lamppost. That sounds like a rebus, but I don't know. A rebus? Is that we do the <laughs> pictures or something? Anyway, so, uh, I'm going to say elevator. Wait, elevator, pillow, lamppost. You trying to figure something out? I'll say yes. Why not? What do you think, Ben? Yep, Michelle. See, here's what I've been trying to figure out. Okay. Is it is it so weird mm-hmm. that it has to be real? Mm-hmm. Or is it so weird that it's a setup for a joke that I just am going to be really frustrated by yeah, when it's Yeah, we're all going to be really frustrated by any joke that's made at this point, <laughs> I think. So you're not alone. This is just a quiz to find out about art podcasts. I don't no. know what you're all talking about. I'm going to go no. What do you think, Ed? Well, I'm going to go yes since they've all been yes. Okay. That's a that's a big no. Oh, man. Really? But I'll tell you something. Yeah. Each of those was an episode of Everything is Alive, another uh-huh. podcast, the hit Runaway podcast with Ian Chillog, friend of the show, future guest. Oh my gosh! Let's hope so. Where oh. he interviews inanimate objects. So there's a whole episode with Anna the Elevator. I'd like to, which I thought was I'd the like best to come one. watch. That. Yeah, oh, sure. There's a whole chair over there. Don't. Start. Okay, a couple more. Mm-hmm. Uh, art official. Art official. Art official. It's kind of a pun. The art offici- official. The official po- art podcast. Well, art and technology. Art official. Um. Yeah. Sure. It's got the word art in it. What do you think, Ben? No. Michelle? I'm going to go yes, even though I know it's 
just deep in my heart, I know it's just yeah. so he can make that pun. I'm there. I'm there with you. <laughs> what do you think? Michelle, Ed? you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Okay. It's no. I just wanted to make that pun. Well, understood. <laughs> Wait, uh, explain the pun. Artificial? Me. Yeah. Artificial. The word art isn't artificial. Oh, I got it. The show is about technology and art. Oh, yeah. Like artifice. I didn't get the art. pun until right now, until you explained it. Artificial. 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 Just like the next one, which will uh, is this, help Michelle. Is the last one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Ar- <laughs> artichoke. Artichoke. <laughs> now you don't know what's happening. Oh, man. Uh, Was artificial a setup for it? Artichoke. I'm still going to say no because I don't want it to be. Ben? No. And Michelle? I'm going to go no. Yeah, you got it. No. It would be a good one, though, about epic fails in art history that also involve food. <laughs> I think that would be a good limited run series. Oh, art at choke. You're, looking for, the next, you're looking for the next thing after VVB, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm surfing around. It does a lot. All right, that's good. You won, Ed. No, yes. Way to go. You, you won some bread the guest always and wins. butter. Yes. Yeah. Were you just waiting to get to your question? Yes, I was. Simon has a question, too. Okay, Ed, this is a quick question. Wait, can I first put oh, out yeah, a call yeah. for listeners? Please. Yeah. I would love to see how our listeners rank uh, our quizzes, uh-huh. not even all of them, because I wouldn't do that to them. But yeah. I just want like some commentary. Some I feedback. want a list of like top three quizzes okay. of all time from our listeners. And in order to respond, they can uh, tweet us at some later date or email us at variouspresentbutters at gmail dot com. Yeah. Um, so my question to you is: Two days of the week, which do you prefer, Friday or Sunday? Um, Sunday, it's less dangerous. You prefer Sunday? Yeah. Have you always preferred Sunday? It's it's to hard. see Rangers games on Sunday. Yeah, mm. it was a pretty good day. It's less dangerous. Yeah. Friday, statistically, is the worst day to be on the road. There are oh, more accidents and more suicides on oh, Friday. I researched this question. Oh, okay. Well, and I had, I had some other things that happened on Friday. Yeah, what? Good. Well, the suicide rate goes up by 14% My that day. goodness. You would think it would be Sunday. I you know, would going think back so. and all. No, no. No. And then let me follow up. How do you feel about black licorice? I love black licorice. Of course We're you down. do. That's our research. Black yeah. people who love Sundays love black licorice. That's it is a practical metaphysical certainty that that correlation and I would say causation. I think we're at that point right now. We yes. can say that. <laughs> we have claimed that. Yes. Sometimes there's a guest who gets the answer wrong, and mm-hmm. so we explain oh. why they don't have it correct. Okay. okay. Well, you were correct. Yeah. Thank goodness. Sunday black okay. licorice. We're well, finally back bring on it. patterns. We're back on, back on task. Okay. For me. And um, if you want to see us on anything upcoming, we'll be on Twitter at some later date, like we usually are, and uh, we will be... We missed the mailbag again. Oh, my God. But if you want to add to this... This is becoming a ever, whole segment. Ever-increasing mailbag. mailbag you can We're never going to be able to get to it. Yeah, well, you can, uh, maybe we'll get to it one we'll day. We'll be getting answered we'll questions from a, like six months ago. We'll devote a whole show to it. Emails at variouspresentbars at gmail.com. It may make it more interesting. You yeah, know. It might be. Um, but have, that's everything, right? I had this. Thank you, Ed, for being here. I really Thanks, Ed, for being here. A lot of fun. <laughs> Can we get you some bread now? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes, okay. Headphones off. Headphones off. Would you be able to say who uh, who some an artist that you admired the most at age ten and twenty and thirty? I could do twenty. I don't know ten if I had, had thought about <laughs> yeah. any of that. Well, that's why I was asking. Comic books, maybe like yeah, Bugs Bunny or something. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. No blank. Yeah, <laughs> arise, sirloin of beef. <laughs> you know. How about twenty and thirty? Well, yeah, that's, that's a little easier. But when I got to twenty, I was thinking about 
abstract ex- painting, abstract painting, and I'd seen the Life magazine article about Pollock called Jack the Dripper. You know, of course, they were making fun of him in, in a way that you have to be mad to be an artist, mm-hmm. uh, as they had done with Van Gogh, cutting off his ear. And, all, you know, that's, that's, how, that's why people become artists, to, the, to um, this idea of madness. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, I, I thought there was something to that for a while. And then by the time I was 30 and I realized it was 90%. Just hard work and reading and thinking that, well, okay, this is a little different. Uh, The artists had changed to the more thoughtful of them, and that would be people like de Kooning. And uh, Pollock was all felt. Mm -hmm. He was a cowboy, and he uh, he lived in Wyoming. He poked cows, and he took them on drives. He carried a six-shooter and a Winchester rifle. And when he came to New York, he, he aspired to be a drummer. That's really what he wanted to do. Wow. And then he found, found painting. And Grace, Grace Hardigan told me the story of uh, Pollock. She'd heard of him. She was 23. Mm-hmm. And so she's living uh, somewhere on 10th Street and in, a, in the Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she went over to his place, knocked on his door, and asked if she could see his, see his paintings. And he said, sure. I mean, that was kind of how, it's hard for me to imagine that it actually worked like that, but too many of them said so. And so she went in, there was nothing on the walls. She was stunned. You having a show or something? She looked on the floor and she described the the most innocent and profound look on her face, came on her face about, I saw paintings um, that I never could even imagine somebody would think to do. So, you know, and I was struck by that. You know, the idea that someone could be such an original that a jaded, sophisticated, crazy person like Grace Hardigan would be blown out of the water by them. But then I thought about it, and as I studied Pollock over the years, here's this cowpoke who um, hanged around with Navajo, Native Americans, and clearly he saw them doing tribe. They had no written language. Mm-hmm. tribal um, histories for young people with colored sand. Mm. You know, and you can imagine that he absorbed that idea of sure. dropping it and coloring it from above yeah. on a vast plain, and then when they left the place, the wind would just incorporate it back into nature. What yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and, of course, he, he brought some of that into this. Huh? You know, it's wow. a very, I mean, I don't think that's uh, an art history kind of book thing. I, I'd have to ask my friend Bob Madison, but it clearly makes sense yeah. that he would he would see it that way. That's a, that's that's so a long answer. I'm sorry. Here's the butter. Here are the knives, oh, and here are the plates. Right.